0: Is what I'm doing right now going to make that customer want to come back the next time they need whatever it is that I sell. The whole goal is not to focus on a lifetime, which really is loyalty, but to focus on the next time, every time. And that could lead to a lifetime of repeat business, which could be construed as loyalty.
1: Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza and you're listening to Retain, the Customer Retention Podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention? And how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. On today's episode, we have the lovely Chef Hiken with us. He's a customer service and experience speaker and is an international leading authority on customer service, customer experience, and loyalty in business. He's the author of seven best selling books that have made the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and more. He's worked with thousands of companies and organizations who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and their employees thanks for being with us chef well
0: my pleasure and uh, it's now eight books which is great wow. and i've never been referred to as the lovely chef hyken thank you that was my choice <laughs> i think that is a compliment
1: it's because of your magical light thing that you did so
0: oh you like that that, loved it. <laughs> so for those that, that were, are, don't know what we're talking about, just prior to coming on, I said, is this an audio or video? And they said, well, they're going to have some video. I said, then I need to turn off the light to avoid the <laughs> shine on the top of my hairless head. And I just snapped my fingers and magically the lights went off. <laughs> but what you didn't see is Cindy from the next office came over and just flicked the switch when I snapped my fingers. A magician
1: was, never tells a secret, Chef. Oh, well, on. now you know what?
0: That's the only one I'm going to tell you.
1: Okay, good, good, good. Save all the marketing secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. So let's get started with our conversation today. I'm really excited to jump into the whole idea of talking about customer service, retention, this whole topic, because it's such a broad topic and there's so many different ways we can take it. So I'm excited to see how our conversation goes today, but maybe we'll just start off by you telling us more about yourself and your experiences.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I tell this story over and over again. I started off uh, learning about customer service when I was 12 years old. I started a business. It was a birthday party magic show business where I would go and entertain little kids in their homes, screaming, (laughs) uh, waiting for birthday cake. And I remember the first magic show I did, it was after school. I was only 12. My mom drove me, dropped me off, picked me up an hour later, I went home. My mom said, what are you going to do after dinner? Because it was a school night. I thought homework was the correct answer, but not, according to her, not until I did a thank you note, wrote a thank you note for the people. And that was kind of a lesson in customer appreciation that we always need to do that. That's pretty standard. But then my dad said, let's go to the next step. And next week after the customer received that thank you note, call them up and say, hey, it's Shep here. Thanks again. I just wanted to make sure you were happy. Did you like the show? And hopefully they'll say yes and then ask them what tricks did you like the most? And and get specific with getting the feedback. And what you'll hear over a period of time are the same tricks are mentioned over and over again and then you'll also notice certain tricks aren't mentioned and he said get rid of those tricks and put in new tricks that they will talk about. Now, I had no idea that first I was being taught to show appreciation, then I was being taught to get feedback, and then I was taught to take action on that feedback and create essentially a better show, which in the business world is called process improvement. So here I am at 12, not knowing this is what it's called and this is what it's about, but it's customer experience 101. And I think every company that I have worked for in the past almost 40 years doing what I do and hiring me for what I do does exactly what we're talking about. So these were lessons that I was ingrained in as a child, practically. Anyway, came out of college and uh, thought I had a job. And then a few months later, they said, we're selling the company. I said, what am I going to do? well, I took my passion for taking care of customers. I wrote a speech, my entertainment background, by the way, I graduated from birthday parties to working in comedy clubs and corporate (laughs) events after dinner, kind of, you know, speaker slash entertainer. And wonder you had the magic
1: trick. (laughs)
0: Right. That's exactly why the magic was. That's why that's the only secret I will share with you. Magic wise. I'll share all the marketing and loyalty (laughs) and experience secrets that you want. They're not really secrets, but some people may say, wow, I just learned something. And that's what we're going for today. But anyway, that's where it all started. Over the years, a lot of research, working with companies. We currently do an annual customer service experience research study. And hopefully if anybody wants that, it's, it's available on my website at no charge. It's a awesome. nice report and uh, you're welcome to get it. So
1: definitely check that out. <laughs> and so since you began actually even with these surveys and in the customer service and experience industry, what interesting or notable changes have you seen along the way?
0: All right. So I actually, in my most recent book titled I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again, I said in this that nothing has changed when it comes to customer service and experience. And what I mean by that, while so much has changed, really nothing has changed. We start out And we end the exact same way that we've been doing it for decades, since the beginning of customer service. And 50 years from now, even 100 years from now, I don't think it's going to be different. Customer has a question. They have a problem. They have a complaint they want resolved. They reach out to the company. It doesn't matter how. And at the end of the experience, they want to know that they got their answer. Everything was taken care of and their complaint was fixed, if that's what it was. And they want to be happy. That's been the way since the beginning of time. And as we look at the future, I don't think that's going to change. Now, what happens in between these two points, the beginning and the end, that's changed a lot. We're starting to see, and we have been for the last 10 or more years. We've started to see technology takeover, self-service solutions, digital solutions. And we've also seen customers embracing those solutions. Our research shows that 71% of customers are willing to use digital channels, even though they admit that phone is still their number one choice, given the option and being taught how to use it properly, they'll go to the digital channel when it's available and it works for them. So those are just a few thoughts, but back to the original question. In my opinion, nothing's really changed from the standpoint of where it starts right. and where it ends, and the and the result that we want.
1: Right. No, that's a good point. But what are some of the things you've seen change in the process itself, or have you seen any changes there? Oh, of huge how changes! Are delivering it?
0: You know, it used to be all there was was the phone. You know, I'm getting ready. Uh, my friend Brittany Hodak, who you should have on this show, uh, she is <laughs> oh getting God, ready in no, no, no. really <laughs> release a book titled Superfans. And she asked if I would write the foreword. And I said, is there any particular concept you want me to put into the foreword? Any any information? She goes, you know, you wrote an article about the first complaint letter of all time. And I go, I vaguely remember uh, there's in the museum in somewhere in the England, there is a stone that is it, you know, it's been chiseled and it's basically a complaint letter from biblical times or even pre-biblical <laughs> times being sent to somebody about, you know, something they bought that they're not happy with. <laughs> and Love so, that. It's complaint <laughs> letter of all time. And then That's eventually so letters turn into, you know, and, and turn into the telephone and talking to people. And, but the phone used to be the only way to reach out to a company other than in person and get results from complaints, problems, questions, whatever. Well, look where we've come. We've got so many options that we can use. You've got frequently asked questions, a knowledge base, if you will, on a website. You've got video tutorials you can put. And I mean, I remember, gosh, it had to be almost 10 plus years ago when I decided I wanted to use Salesforce as a CRM. And I remember saying, hey, I'm just a little guy here compared to these big companies. What if I need customer support? Is it going to be hard to get in? They said, just go to Google and type your question. How do you do whatever it is? in Salesforce. And what happens is videos from YouTube popped up and, expi- and not only videos from Salesforce, but from their happy customers saying how they resolved the same issue. Exactly. And what's cool about this is all of a sudden, your knowledge base becomes a marketing tool, showing how good they are at providing the uh, service that you might need and answering the questions, but also the best ways to use the product. So now we're seeing artificial intelligence come in and we've got chatbots, we've got Interactive voice experiences. We've got augmented and virtual reality that's going to start to make a difference. Just today, I read an article about how scent, smell, is going to be snuck into the virtual reality yep, experience. Yeah. I know, and I'm thinking this is the coolest thing. Where is it <laughs> going to go next? Yeah. <laughs> So, so you cool. can see that there's so much there is to be excited about. I look at what we've got happening in the last few years and the technology is really crazy and fun and the multiple channels that customers have to reach out on. You see social customer care. I'm not it's still the lowest I guess from the standpoint of popularity, it's the lowest choice for customer support and experience. However, I foresee in the next few years, it continue to gain and gain in popularity. What's happening as far as social care goes, and I know I'm going off on a tangent, but let's mm-hmm. just Go ahead. cover this mm-hmm. information. In the social care world, uh, where somebody goes on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever, and makes a complaint, if it's public there's a pretty good chance that that is not the first place they went to get that problem resolved, that they're going to a channel as a, a second resort or a last resort. And if it's a nasty comment, a lot of times you'll see, I've tried to reach out to you. You don't get back to me. Here's my problem. Please fix it. And then the world gets to see what's going on. And as my buddy, Jay Bear, another person you should have on the show, as Jay Bear says, when it comes to social media customer care, customer service and experience becomes a spectator sport. You get to watch how the company yeah. handles everything. But you know what? We had a client and the client was getting ready to spend a lot of money on their social media customer care program. And we assessed that really that was the second place they went, not the first place. And I said, fix that first place, spend the money there. And you'll see that you are you don't need to invest right now at that level into customer care on social media. Still important, don't get me wrong. You've got to be there for them and respond the right way. But it's not necessary for you to make that big of an investment. You should take that money and use it toward better technology and maybe even staffing more people if needed instead of trying to uh, redirect people to a, a channel that most people go to really complain about uh, more than anything.
1: No, that's awesome. Actually, it does set me up for my next question that I was curious about, because over this answer that you were talking about the social media and then all the different things to think about, all the changes that are happening, all this new tech, there's so much for companies to look at when they're thinking about their experience strategies and their retention strategies. So from your point of view, are there any key questions that companies must ask themselves when they're coming up with their retention strategies?
0: Where are your customers? What is the demographic of your customers? What patterns are they exhibiting in their effort to get support? If we're trying to get them to use another channel, how do we do that properly? Look at how the airlines educated the customer on the use of online booking of their trips. And they did it by incenting them by extra 500 points on their frequent flyer program or a thousand points. And people would try it. And if it works, you start to notice the pattern. People are liking it. They're using it. So you know, make sure you also mystery shop your own technology again and again. Every single time you make a change, make sure that you're reducing friction to that customer as well as to the people on the inside that are dealing with customers. So uh, I would take a look at those different topics and ask those types of questions. One other thought, be careful out there. If you start to use technology that you're not using it to the point of attempting to replace the human, if you have good technology that does the job, great, but there should still be a seamless and easy way for the company to contact human agent. If you look at like what zappos.com has done, even though they're a digital online retailer, every page has a phone number. And that's so that if the customer has a question, it's easy for them to make a phone call and get their answer.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to say, even for myself, I would say like majority people around my age in their like 20s to 30s, everyone, they ask questions like the Instagram support or the website support, but I like to call actually, which is very random because I still like to chat to someone. I still want to be able to answer my questions right away with a human, but it's so annoying when you can't find a phone number or you have to hunt it down after multiple pages and find that secret number that's hidden somewhere on their site.
0: That's called friction, and customers love to leave the companies who provide friction
1: in their life. Absolutely. All right. This one's a bit of a thinker, I would say. But what would you say is a commonly held belief in customer experience slash marketing programs that you passionately disagree with?
0: People confuse loyalty programs with marketing programs, and there's nothing wrong with either one, but recognize one drives repeat business versus others that might drive true loyalty. And uh, well, how can you do a loyalty program? Well, I think when you tier, you know, different customers and give them, you know, if you hit this milestone, you get something. If you hit this, you get something that, you know, and you like the way it feels, you might stay loyal to them. If you do something where it's the best training of your people and they provide this stellar service, they have a process that's more convenient than anyone else, you don't need a loyalty program to drive business. Just give them the experience they want and expect. They don't want to take a chance of of not getting that anywhere else, and you're creating loyalty. And also, uh, one other thought, there's a difference between a, a loyal customer and a satisfied customer. And satisfied customers, they're happy with you, but they're willing to change if somebody comes along that's a little bit more satisfactory than this company provides, a little higher level of customer satisfaction. However, uh, loyalty is an emotional connection with the company. and, And that's a little bit harder to get that customer to leave to come to you if the company that you're trying to steal that customer from has created true loyalty with an emotional connection
1: between like the marketing program and the loyalty program targeting the satisfied customer and the loyal customer, how would you suggest that companies think about separating the two, make sure that they have a very clear division between the two and focus on both at the same time?
0: So the marketing program, using that term, even though you can call it anything you want, loyalty program, whatever, is a great program. It's an incentive, it's promotion, but it's marketing. I want you to consider the experience to override either alongside or overriding it. And that is to create the experience that makes customers wanna come back. And if it's an individual people-to-people experience, train your people to manage every interaction the right way. I always call this, well, I call it the loyalty question. And really it's about getting people to come back the next time. So every time you interact with a customer, the question to be asking yourself, and by the way, if you create a digital channel, every interaction along the way or step along the way You should be asking, is this interaction, if it's a conversation or part of the process, is what I'm doing right now going to make that customer want to come back the next time they need whatever it is that I sell? The whole goal is not to focus on a lifetime, which really is loyalty, but to focus on the next time, every time. And that could lead to a lifetime of repeat business, which could be construed as loyalty.
1: That's a great point. I actually really like that because I feel like when you think about loyalty in general... It's a very open-ended, general, abstract thing. So it's kind of like, okay, how do we go about this? And yeah, It then, seems yeah. huge.
0: How do I get somebody yeah. to be loyal to me for the rest of their lives? Yeah. Break it down. Just focus yeah. on the next time, every time.
1: What would you say is a company that does this really, really well of getting that next step down really perfectly?
0: Oh, there's so many great companies out there. If you look at the brands, again, what we're focusing on is creating the experience that gets people to want to come back. I think right off the top of my head, I think of Chick-fil-A. Do you know Chick-fil-A has now, I've had a client actually say, we want to Chick-fil-A our customers. You oh my gosh, really? Now, yeah, if you just said they we want to filet our customers, that doesn't sound very appealing. But <laughs> if you understand the experience that Chick-fil-A provides, that's quite a compliment to Chick-fil-A and quite a lofty goal for the company to provide the customer a level of service that makes people so happy. Look at even, even digitally, look at what Amazon and Zappos do. With Amazon, hardly anybody ever has to call Amazon. Yeah. The digital experience is so intuitive and easy to use that... Nobody has questions. If there are problems, the problem is usually happy as a result happen as a result of uh damaged product during shipping or and now Amazon's more and more involved with the shipping. But before that, you know, it was, you know, FedEx, UPS, post office. Uh, creating the problem. And Amazon, by the way, when you called them, they'd never said to you, if you finally got to somebody, uh, they never said to you, oh, well, once it left our warehouse, it, it, it's not our problem. No, they accept the responsibility that, yeah, and the company we provided for shipping let you down. Therefore, we are going to take care of it. I, I love that ownership level of what was going on.
1: Yeah. No, I love that a lot. And actually, I want to take a quick step back because for those of us who aren't super familiar with Chick-fil-A, because in Canada, we, I think we only have one or two locations in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken, I have only tried it once. So I want to know more about this Chick-fil-A experience because what makes it so unique enough to become a verb?
0: It's a quick service restaurant that's similar to McDonald's. It's just yeah. they're specializing in chicken <laughs> <laughs> and really delicious chicken too. It's really good. And they're really known uh, not only for great service, Family values that they they have. They you'll notice that they're not open on Sundays because that's a family value. You know, I'm at an airport and I show up at nine o'clock at night. There's a pretty good chance Chick Fil A is going to be closed because they want the employees to go home and be with their families after dinner and not be that's there awesome. all night long. I love that, <laughs> yeah. but they really focus on training their people to take care of the guest. And to, you know, if you're doing the drive-through and it's the middle of lunch hour and it uh, a lot of People out there in the driveway, they don't just wait for you to pull up to place your order. They send somebody out on the drive and say, look, we're trying to get things ready ahead of time. Can you tell us what you want? And they have people walking the drive, placing the order, even before you would get up to the place where you do order, just so that they can expedite and and they recognize how important that is for a customer. And then, of course, the friendliness. So Chick-fil-A is great.
1: That's interesting. And I was going to say, yeah, like I think what's awesome about that is the fact that able to be so memorable that you'll always think of that as an example. And that's what companies are actually trying to achieve is even as you were giving me the exa- these examples, I was thinking of my own experiences. Like there's this one company called Function of Beauty and I believe it's U S based, but I'm not sure if it's Canadian or U S but they basically do customize shampoo and conditioners. And, They do the standard thing where you fill out the quiz and everything like that, but their customer service goes above and beyond that. One time I got sent the wrong formula. And the idea is that you choose everything from your hair type, your goals that you're trying to accomplish, all this kind of stuff. And so the formula is very much made for you. And when I reached out, I got a new one sent to me within the next two days and a whole description of what went wrong, what they did better, how they're going to fix themselves next time. It was such a unique personal experience that I was like, this is just incredible. I'll order from them all the time.
0: So let me explain what just happened. If, By the way, if that happened again, you would get a very similar letter and the same experience because what they've done is they've recognized customers. Sure, they just want their problem resolved, but exactly. giving you that extra information psychologically gave you a level of confidence about the company because you recognize and they share with you a little bit about how the sausage is made. They, they show you behind <laughs> the scenes. We got your comment. This is what probably happened. We're really sorry. Here's the right product. And uh, as a result of us doing this, we're taking it back to our team to find out ways to help mitigate this or eliminate it in the future. Customers love to know that they've been, that they not only were, were the problems fixed, but they were heard. And I go yeah. back to a line. The goal is not to fix the problem as much as fix the customer. Yes, and exactly. that's not my line, I don't believe. I think that might have come <laughs> from Lexus or somebody. But, But isn't that what we're supposed to do? I mean, we want people to walk away, not just with their issue resolved, but with a confidence that when they come back. So we talk about creating customer amazement. And my definition of amazement is not about being over the top and being above and beyond. It is delivering on the expectation that the customer has and what makes it better than just normal is when it's done all the time and we have the confidence it's gonna happen all the time. So the customer mm-hmm. uses the word always before whatever the expectation is. You know what? We When we call somebody, right? We want them to call us back quickly. And if you said, whenever I call them, they always get back to me quickly. Whenever I email, they always respond quickly. Whenever I, I connect with them or talk to them, uh, their people are always so knowledgeable. They're always so helpful. And even when I have a problem, I know I can always count on them. So that word always followed by something positive which is typically just the basic expectation is what takes you from normal or average to amazing because you know point, and, and by the way when when a real big problem drops in your lap well then you've got an opportunity to go above and beyond but you can't wait for rainy days or for those big problems to yeah. come to you just to prove that you're worth doing business with the next time just yeah. do what's expected all the time and you build this confidence that customers don't want to take a chance of doing business elsewhere and not getting the same experience. We call that creating a demanding customer, which means that no matter where they go outside of you, you've created such great experience. They're going to demand the same experience. And when they don't get it and they complain about oh, it, gosh. that other company is going to say, boy, that customer is demanding. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And one other other comment is, and I talk about this in many of the speeches that I do, I start out by saying our customers are smart. They've experienced Chick-fil-A. And because of that, these companies raise the bar and the customer says in their mind, whether they subconsciously do it or consciously do it, they say, why can't that company be as good as, you know, fill in the blank? And these rock star brands, whether they're recognized worldwide or just recognized locally, doesn't matter. But to you, they're a rock star. They're the ones that are setting the bar for all of your experiences.
1: It's all about these atomic activities that companies do because function of beauty, Chick-fil-A, they're not really going above and beyond, but they're putting in the right small actions along the customer journey in order to create these always amazing experiences like you said. Well said. Thanks. (laughs) I'm learning from you. Awesome. Okay. So I have one final question that I think everybody will be intrigued to hear, which is, is there a piece of marketing or life advice, very open, very general, that someone shared with you once that has always stayed with you?
0: I'm going to share with you a couple of stories if I can. I actually wrote a chapter in a book years ago, and the book was titled Inspiring Others to Win. And it was actually published in conjunction with the U.S. Olympic Committee. And it was all of these athletes and motivational coaches. And somehow or another I got asked to include a chapter and I talked about the mentors in my life. And There's two that I want to tell you about. One is my friend, Bud Dietrich. Bud, I jokingly referred to him as my illegitimate father because he was like 30 years older than me, 40 years older than me. But I told him he could not call me his illegitimate son. That was not not cool. (laughs) Uh, But he gave me great advice. When I first started my my speaking business, which is what it was, I was going to speak on customer service and experience. He said, Shep, you can do a lot in this business, but you need to spend 40 hours a week at getting business. And that means talking to people on the phone. And this was before the internet. So that's what you did. You picked up the phone, you smiled, you dialed, and hopefully talked to somebody. And you worked on your sales pitch and get people to hire you. Or maybe it's uh, marketing, or maybe it's writing letters, but it's 40 hours a week of getting business. He said, you can practice your speech and write your speech in the evening and on weekends. And what he was saying is the job isn't doing the speech, it's getting the speech. And that concept applies to almost any business when you start to recognize you know function and beauty their job isn't just to make you look beautiful their job is to get you to use their products to make you look beautiful and so uh, don't confuse the two because uh, if you do you won't get the customers that you want that was great advice from a mentor and i the reason i want to share the second story is because i had two other mentors, my friends, Kim Tucci and John Ferrar, two gentlemen that owned restaurants, both had passed away. And again, older gentlemen. And these people mentored me the same as Bud mentored me. And one day I said to them, I'm only 20, 22 years old, I think at the time, maybe 21. I'm working in restaurants. Okay. And we're having dinner before my shift begins. And they're they're hanging out with me. These older guys that owned the restaurant are hanging out with me. How is this? And I said to them, you've given me, I had a big question that was happening in my life, something that was a turning point. They were helping me work through this. And they were like the big brothers I didn't have because I was the oldest in my, my family. And I asked them, why are you doing this? Why are you spending this time with me? Two things they said. Number one, they both said, we love you. Other than my parents and maybe a girlfriend who thought she loved me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anybody else say that. To me. I thought, oh my gosh. They said, they we look at you as our family. And I go, that's wow. amazing. And then they said something really important. They said, and we had people that were older and role models, and they gave us the advice we needed to be successful. And you need to do that too. As you become successful, we hope that our example rubs off and that you'll help others be successful. Us right. doing this podcast today is my way of, of you know being able to share information. Everything yeah. that I I write about that you'll buy in a book, everything you'll hire me for a speech, it's all available at no charge. It's, it's chunked up in a lot of different places, but I believe in giving it all away. The more you give, the more you get. I think that's Absolutely. part of what my friends were saying, my mentors. So those are life experiences. So And I think in business, the more you give your customers, the more you prove that you're more interested in taking care of them than making a sale they'll reciprocate with buying from you.
1: Oh, 100%. I actually, it's interesting because it's such an important point in business where it's not about the transaction, it's actually more about the relationship and actually fostering something special because also you never know what we can get from it. And one of my favorite things about working at Game Ball is we meet business owners literally day in, day out. And even just learning their stories, learning their businesses and what products they sell, I sometimes buy from the brands because it's just so interesting to learn from them and see their own stories. But it's not about getting them to buy the platform. It's literally just getting to know them and sharing information, sharing learnings. It's so important because the more you give, the more you get, like you said. And that right. takes now, you so much now, That's a B2B B that.
0: relationship. And yeah. that's the difference between being a vendor and being a partner. Mm-hmm. And that can transcend to the uh, consumer relationship where you're more than just a store to buy from or a place to go online okay. or retailer. But when you create that confidence, you create some level of connection, call it partnership, if you will, where, you know, I used to go into a clothing store and that person that was taking care of me, she was my, my fashion guru, my, my Obi-Wan Kenobi, my. <laughs> So my Yoda, (laughs) that's your inside person. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Everybody needs an inside person. And that's part of what drives loyalty in a company, going all the way back to where we started. You know, you want everybody to feel like they've got this inside connection because that's a little bit emotional. You like the person, that's emotion. You trust them, you like them, and you obviously, you know, know them too. So these are the drivers of repeat business and ultimately loyalty.
1: I love that. And that's a perfect full circle to end our podcast on as well. <laughs> so thank you so much again, Shep. That was really awesome. And and I'm sure there's so many different insights and learnings. Thank you so much for taking the time, sharing so many great examples and insights and advice. I really appreciate it. I'm sure all the listeners will as well.
0: Well, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate you having me on the show.
1: Retain, the customer retention podcast is brought to you by Gameball. To find out how you can turn visitors and occasional buyers into loyal, lifetime customers, head to Gameball.co. Make sure to subscribe to Retain the Customer Attention Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time.